0: What is up everybody, welcome to Comic Book Club, I'm Alex, I'm Justin, I'm Pete, and we are coming to you live from the internet of all places, can you believe it? Two places that we're coming from in particular are Crowdcast and YouTube, or maybe yeah. you're listening to the podcast version of this over wherever you listen to find podcasts. Very excited to have you here for tonight's show. Uh, Justin, Pete, how are you guys doing? You're seeming a little loose tonight, a little... Fresh. Tip top, <laughs> well, the, there's a
4: lot going on. It's March Madness. You got a lot of stuff. We have a sure. we have a pool in our comic book club world in mm-hmm. our comic book, book club um, Patreon Slack. Yep. and I was feeling pretty good a couple days ago. Now I'm just getting crushed. I'm getting oh, absolutely. Crushed. You
2: can't get cocky in those things, man.
4: No, you wow. can't get cocky. Josh, no. the Josh is crushing us all. Wow. He had he picked all four final four teams. That's like Damn. the odds are very very long on that one,
0: man. And that's hard in basketball.
4: Well, it hasn't been fully decided, yet, but that's what I that's think really he's going to end up having. Things. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, you're right. Zalvin. Alex, j- Jump in. Jump in. What was your bracket? What was your bracket? Yes, Zal, oh, gosh. Your well, bracket I definitely,
0: my final four was definitely the top four teams, which, as we know, you guys say them because I don't want to. Yeah, I, don't I got it. In.
4: You had Reed Richards, yeah. Sue Storm, <laughs> um, uh,
0: Human Torch. Wolverine, and Hulk. I like to mix it up between the new and old Fantastic Four. Smart. That's
4: smart. smart. And, you know, those are the long shots. That's what you call a Cinderella team is uh, <laughs> picking Wolverine to be your in your final four.
0: Russell yeah. Crowe was actually in my Cinderella man team. Wow.
4: Wow. <laughs> yeah. And see so you you're like, oh you guys were your sports references and you make the most esoteric <laughs> Russell Crowe <laughs> reference that you could find. <laughs> That's, like, some deep internet shit. All right, shit name no literally,
0: literally any other Russell Crowe movie, I dare you, <laughs> other than um, Cinderella Man.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's true. There was Cinderella Master and Commander, yeah, I believe. Yeah. The uh,
0: gladiator. Ma- Cinderella Mandiator. I remember yeah. one of
4: these. <laughs> oh, I Are love you not it. entertained? <laughs> Are you not uh, glass-slippered, he said?
3: <laughs>
0: Folks, we have an exciting show for you. We have two great guests here tonight. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to invite the first one here into the stream. He is the creator of the new comic book, Count, uh, that is out from humanoids right now on stands everywhere or in your digital bookshops everywhere. Uh, oh. His name is Ibrahim Mustafa. Uh, the book is very gorgeous, and I'm excited to talk about it. He'll tell you more about it, but it is a sci-fi take on the Count of Monte Crisco. Hello, Abraham. How are you?
3: I'm good. How are you? Good. First of all, did I mangle your name? Uh, Ibrahim, but more importantly, you called it the Count of Monte Crisco. That's what I was going (laughs) to
4: say. God damn
3: it. I was practicing. I swear to God, I was
0: practicing before the show, and in my head, I was like, don't say Count of Monte Crisco. I feel
3: like that's got to be something that we Uh... only do in the United States, right? (laughs)
4: Yeah, Alexander Dumbass says yeah. "Captain Monte Crisco. Oh, man. Crisco is
3: so important to uh, the fabric mm-hmm. of our society oh, here. <laughs> in Let's in go. the UK,
0: they actually call it the count of
3: clotted cream. Oh, oh hey, that makes sense. <laughs>
4: yeah. Wow, way to drop in the Cinderella man of confectionery uh, cooking, <laughs>
0: Alex. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about this book. This is uh, out now from Humanoids. You can get it anywhere. Uh, what I mean, I think we know what the inspiration was, but where did you take The Count of Monte Cristo and then put it in a sci-fi setting? Where did that start?
3: Yeah, so it's it's a very famous story, right? It's a literary classic. It's been around for almost 200 years. Um, and I love revenge stories and stories about yes. people exacting, you know, getting their comeuppance and stuff. Yeah. and Yeah, and uh, I was just kind of thinking about those types of stories, and I was I started thinking about the Count of Monte Cristo, (laughs) and I was like, (laughs) what if it was cool? Like, because I mean, (laughs) and I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but like the original novel takes place in you know during like the uh, 1800s in France, and it's 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 a period thing, it's of a time, and I just kind of thought, what if it took place in a setting that was you know, totally different and more contemporary and yeah. And just kind of like contemporary while being timeless, you know what I mean? So, so there's nothing in this book that ties it to like, you know, cell phones or anything anachronistic like it's, its i would love the thing. idea
4: if you just did the whole book again but everyone had cell phones yeah <laughs> he was like just, when he was in in prison for 40 years or whatever he was like hey what's up yep still here just chill uh let me know what do you think what's the deal yeah he's
3: just tweeting his vitriol at the people <laughs> instead of yeah. uh you know <laughs> so yeah that's that's how it came about I, I just wanted to you know put my spin on that story that i love that i think has a lot of timeless themes in it but update it in a way that makes it cooler and you know gives it some action because the, the original story has like zero action in it whatsoever like a lot of people think it's swashbuckling because alexander dumas wrote the three musketeers sure. and they go like oh it's a retelling of this swashbuckling adventure but it's like nah, the original book is very dry like it's like there's so a popular. whole
4: there's a whole lot of it about how he slowly builds up a tolerance to poison yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah like
3: yeah i yeah. read the
4: shit out of that book and it me is, too uh, it gets yeah gets into it
3: it, and it's a great book. I don't mean to to make it I love seem it. like uh, yeah, you know, I, oh, it's not as cool. I mean, it's fantastic. Like, and it's it's you know, it's the granddaddy of all revenge stories, really. But yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's light on action, heavy on kind of slow, you know, intrigue and machinations and stuff like that. So,
0: so well, when you were taking this and putting it in the sci-fi setting, given that you love the book. What was sacred and what wasn't? How did you choose what elements to keep and what to ditch?
3: Well, I, I basically just boiled it down to the, the broad strokes of it, right? A guy has the world on a string and, you know, he's engaged and there he has people who are jealous of him and they conspire against him to get him thrown in a prison for the rest of his life. That is supposed to be inescapable. He escapes and, uh, you know, amasses a treasure and then seeks his revenge. So that's pretty much what I took from it. Um, and then I just pretty much changed everything after that. Like, <laughs> and even the way those things happen were different. So like, um, you know, uh, he's uh, he's in the prison, but it's like instead of an island, you know, the Chateau Dif, which is a real place. It's the Diff, the disciplinary disciplinary internment faction, and it's like you know uh-huh. a thousand feet in the air so it's you know like you can't escape that thing pretty much so he has to find a way to do it and within the prison there's this sort of prisoner fight club thing that he's made to participate in Classic. that is a life or death thing and um you know so i really just tried to to heighten the stakes within the framework of the original and then add a lot to it in terms of uh thematics with you know it's it's about justice and classism and and you know wrongful incarceration and stuff like that and then there's robots in it too so
4: (laughs) now you're talking
3: given that this was
0: just one novel but comics is an ongoing medium did you look at this as also a standalone graphic novel or was there an eye to making an ongoing series where was your head out there uh
3: i i wanted to make a world that i could tell more stories in but I wanted this to be a finite story within that world. Um, so, I, you know, I do, for example, have an idea for a follow-up that I would do that would just focus on one character and not everyone else who's in it. Um, so, yeah, you know, ultimately, the goal was to make it just a singular volume that people can read, whether they're familiar with the original or not. You can just pick this up. There's no continuity. You got to worry about anything like that. It's just a, you know, a one and done. I really like the experience of reading... a a trade or a graphic novel. And it's just like, it's all there. It's a meal. You know, you kind of feel like you just watched a a two hour movie or something. So that was what I set out to do. Yeah.
2: Uh, Well, I want to just say somebody who, when I read this in school as a kid, I really felt seen because there was a person who was rewarded for hanging on to their rage. You know what I mean? So like, (laughs) uh, I, I uh, very much uh, love this story. Was it just something that, like, um, what was it that really spoke to you to kind of be the spark that, like, I want to update it? Were you like, "Hey, I, I also uh, love rage," or what was your kind of first <laughs> thing that drew you to it?
3: Well, I think um, you know it's the idea that there's there's always terrible stuff happening to people every day, and very <laughs> seldom do we get to see, you know, the the people who are the perpetrators of this these wrong doings brought to justice right i mean we just lived through you know several years of just like watching terrible thing after terrible thing and everybody is just like getting off scot-free for it you know (laughs) and so this book was kind of like a way for me to have a bit of catharsis like because and i think that's what i enjoy about their genre in general is that uh you know we don't get to see people get the, their deserved comeuppance very often. And so in these types of stories, you get it and it's satisfying and you get to feel like maybe there's a little bit of hope for that happening in the real world, I guess.
4: <laughs> so. we, we just don't have the patience that the count has. He's got, right. like, he's yeah. like, I'll spend I mean, my life being mad about this. Oh, and yeah. then I'm going to get some weird revenge.
3: He's definitely <laughs> not a water off the duck's back kind of guy <laughs> yeah no now
4: let me ask you um if you're uh, we were talking about a lot of people talking about three musketeers you mentioned three musketeers um what do you think about the count de monte cristo 2002 i want to say movie versus the 1993 three musketeers movie <laughs> with oliver platt as porthos and all those <laughs> other
3: uh, yeah dudes um, hanging around? well only one of those movies had a brian adams song on the soundtrack uh that's no, all, but I, I think I, maybe <laughs> mostly
4: Brian Adams songs.
3: Yeah. Brian Adams songs no.
4: any of was, was a hit a hot collab with yeah. two other
3: uh Sting, I want to say. I think so. Yeah. I mean it rings a bell. It's been a while. Um yeah. I, I do like that movie, but the, the two thousand two Count of Monte Cristo one is it's really, really good. Like and it holds up yeah. really well, like fifteen you know, years later or whatever. It does, right. yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, shit, just it's almost interrupt. twenty years later, isn't it? uh Brian wow. Adams Rod Stewart and Sting Rod Stewart. all that, for there love. there it is. How did they bring they were those the musketeers three musketeers? Oh my 100%. god.
4: Yeah. Let's not forget Chris O'Donnell as D'Artagnan right now there <laughs> being like what year is this?
0: Also <laughs> this is way off topic but while I was looking this up you know how Google has the lyrics under the video uh yeah. it starts off with thank you Wembley you've been fantastic audience tonight and i'm sure there'll be a bootleg in your shop soon Anyway, we're going to be hanging around London for a few days after this, and I'll see you there. And then it goes on for a while before they actually get to the lyrics of the song. That's fine. That's it. We have a live version of All for One.
3: I guess so. That's the default version on Google. It's funny that they picked those three guys because, like, Rod Stewart and Brian Adams both have that same kind of raspiness to their voice. Uh And then Sting is just, like, the odd man out, I guess, much like... uh, porthos as played by uh, here you go here
4: you go bringing it together what a pro
0: now just to continue along this uh, line of thinking since you've got the count of monte cristo so far would you would you ever want to do a sci-fi version of three musketeers or do you just not want to be the the guy who does dumas but in the future
3: yeah i mean i might i might you know look to do a similar spin on something else, but yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want it to be like, uh, you know, a, a pigeonholed kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> I it's really it. easy to have that happen. Like I was, I did a lot of James Bond comic stuff and just art in general, cause I'm a big Bond fan. And then you start to become the guy who's like, Oh, we got suits and guns, uh, in this comic. Let's ask him to do it. And it's like, so that was also part of making this book as I wanted to show that I could draw, other stuff, <laughs> let me
4: ask you have you ever thought about doing anything with Zorro? <laughs> oh, I was,
3: I oh, <laughs> I was like, How did he know? Austin. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those, for those you yeah, of you listening, listening yeah, yes, yeah, there's a He's beautiful Zorro, Zorro
0: painting right behind
3: his head. Thank you. Yeah, I, I started it months ago and I've just been too busy to go back to it, but I've left oh, it there so that I don't amazing. forget about it. Thank it you. It looks awesome. I love Zorro. I'm a big fan of uh, the Antonio Banderas movie. If it wasn't taped to the desk for (laughs) um, watercolor paper stretching purposes, I would peel it up and hold it up to the screen, but (laughs) it's on my, I've got progress shots on my Instagram. If anyone's interested in checking it out, that's very cool. Uh, Before we let you go here to that point
0: beyond count, what else are you doing? What else are you working on? If you want to plug anything?
3: So I've got count is the first in a three book deal that I have with humanoids. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm about 60% of the way through my second book with them. Um, It's a little too early to talk about, unfortunately, but um, it's a, it's a new thing. It's, you know, an original uh, idea. And it's kind of a genre mashup in a way. So um, I think people will dig it. It's, it's definitely a departure from count, but it's, you know, uh so it's not like another adaptation type of thing or anything, but um yeah, a little bit of uh little bit of fun kind of espionage type of stuff. So I guess I am kinda doing the dudes in suits with guns <laughs> thing again, but <laughs> um so yeah, I guess just keep an eye out for that. Um if you know, if you look up my name on Comixology, you can see all the stuff I've worked on if any of it piques your interest. Done some D C stuff and Vertigo and uh, you know, like I said, James Bond and all that. So yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank awesome. you so much for coming on. The book looks great. Very excited that it's out there. And I hope people check it out soon.
3: Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And yeah, if, if uh, actually, if people want to go to countcomic.com, um, you can see a, a cinematic style trailer that I put together for it. And there's links to order it and, and links to my sites awesome. and all that good stuff. So awesome. All cool. right.
0: Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Thanks We're for out. us. Take care. Yeah. Take Bye. care. Thanks, man. Have, thanks, have a good one. one.
3: All right. Once again,
0: that is Count uh, by Ibrahim Mustafa uh, that is out now from Humanoids. You can get it as a site, as he mentioned, and it is very cool. Very and now we're cool. going to bring our next guest into the stream here. He is the writer of one of our favorite comic books on the show. I'm very personally surprised to say this, which I'm fine saying, but he writes G.I. Joe <laughs> for IDW. No, I am. like yeah. I, I, I don't want to goop, think goop. of slamming it or anything like that. But, oh. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Allure. Hello. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. hey, Paul. Thanks so much for jumping in. Uh, so I will start off with this. Uh, I was not a huge G.I. Joe fan. I love your book. It's so good. We have talked about almost every issue of, of it on our Stack podcast. What what was your approach here? What What did you start with? Because I'll say, Pete, diehard G.I. Joe fan from back in the day. Me, could care less about G.I. Joe. We both love the book. So I
4: wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe because they held guns. Oh, yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Paul, what, what did was... you
0: start with? What What is it about this book in particular that made it, for you, a fresh take?
1: It actually had a pretty long incubation period working with uh, IDW and Hasbro. What we finally uh, came around to is that uh, Hasbro came up with the base concept of um, trying to modernize the franchise, and they wanted uh, two big things. They wanted Cobra to be more of a world power than they had been in the past, and they wanted G.I. Joe to be more of a um, an espionage group comprised of civilians rather than just military folks, which is a, obviously a huge departure. Yeah. Uh, so that was yeah. kind of my my charge, my starting point. Um, and I don't think they expected me to actually like create this world where Cobra is is basically already won. You know, I think they were yeah. thinking to be further along the timeline than that. But you know, I, I just kind of decided to go go all in with it. And you really, I think it's. Um, I think it works really well. I think it, um, I think it reflects our age of sort of rising totalitarianism around the globe in the same way that the original book reflected the Cold War. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you've been
0: telling this mega story that uh, I don't know. Did it end with the castle fall one shot, or does it continue after that? Or you can't say you're getting a very. Uh,
1: I can't say yeah. no. No announcements has been made on that one way or the other yet. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, but
0: you do have this uh, mega story that's in building. Like you said, starts off with Cobra's already won. GI Joe is on the run, trying to mm-hmm. stop them. But one of the things that I really liked about it in particular is every issue was paced for the issue like you had a very specific idea a very specific tone for each issue so was that part of the original pitch as well to make it a single
1: issue as well as this
0: overarching story
1: it was yeah the plan from the beginning was to make it basically one shot missions with every issue um what that allows us to do is we have a core cast that we revisit in most of the issues but we also have some issues where we're able to split away from that and see different joes around the world um see uh you know focus on cobra um, I think issue four like doesn't have a single G.I. Joe character in it. I may be wrong about that, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it allows us to really do some... We, we, have, we have an issue where we just, uh, it's just Tunnel Rat, like a solo mission where he's just like, desperately yeah. trying to stay alive and we don't see him in any other issues. So yeah, it allows us to really play with, uh, play with the format and do some some interesting things with it. And also it allows people to just walk into their shop and pick up any issue of G.I. Joe and they'll be, they'll be fine. What yeah. I
4: loved about it was it felt like you got... Uh so I'm curious about your process like it felt like it, everything was so specific um it, like it felt like you just had all these great stories and you were like did you work from the stories into the Joes or were you like I need a good tunnel rat story and you work out from there
1: that's a good question it varied um I mostly worked out though yeah yeah the the tunnel that's- rat one and the one before that um about bomb strike and chuckles we're both because <laughs> uh, as we were getting into our second arc, Hasbro um, was kind of like, hey, you know, we'd like to see more of what's happening around the world. We want this to be like more of a global book and you're kind of, you know, wow. you've been sticking to the Midwest here for a while. So um, <laughs> so those two those two issues were sort of crafted to, very specifically to show what was happening in other parts of the world. Well, also, like those are both um, specifically about missions that are designed to to get the Joes um information on on Cobra's bat program. They're like killer robots that allow them to help take over the world. So, so they're standalones, but like you guys said, there, there's a meta story where it, it is all all linked together.
2: Well, it's been uh, amazing. Uh, as someone who's a fan, did you have a history with uh, G.I. Joe? Because I know if I ever had this job, I would just be writing uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, like, giant battles. Like, what was your background with it? No story, just fights.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm a more recent um Convert to to GI Joe. I actually got into okay. it as a, as an adult, um, really through the IDW comics, to their early comics. Um, oh, cool. Like I was I was aware of GI Joe as a child. I, mean, I was you know I was born in America, nineteen seventy eight, so <laughs> I was aware of GI <laughs> Joe, and you know I watched the cartoon when I was a kid. But it was a thing that my older brother was really into, and so I think that kind of like made me be less into it. Um, as, oh, okay. As, as sometimes happens. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, when I tell yeah, that yeah. story, people are like, "Oh, I like GI Joe because my brothers were into it." and I was like, "Oh, well." You have a better family (laughs) than I do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. it was really uh, as an adult that I got into the comics um, and and then went back and and read the Hama run, which I've read like three times now, the first, you know, 250 issues of that. So um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I I, I do think though that not being enmeshed in it since childhood did allow me to like, you know, sort of like, you know, I was okay with holding off on Snake Eyes a little bit more. You know, making that be like a little bit of a, a, a treat for later. I was also okay, I was okay with you know holding off on some of those elements that you know normally get pushed to the forefront a lot more. I also thought you had a great balance of like
4: just like a fun adventure uh, story in this sort of messed up world, as well as some stories that got into some like sort of intense real world stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, was that your intention throughout or how did you strike the balance between those two
1: things? That was my intention throughout. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I, yeah, I really wanted to, to have a, a tone that was a little bit more uh, grounded um, while also allowing you to have some, some fun. With it. And again, that was, that was a, Hasbro thing as well. They were pretty on board. Like they wanted to sort of de-emphasize some of the more out there sci-fi elements, but I did manage to like sneak in the Weather Dominator and sneak in a couple other things. So they actually were um, kind of against using the bats at first, and I was like, "No, we got to have the bats." You know, <laughs> you know? So that's why the bats look more robotic, whereas in the old stuff, the bats just look very human. You know, like they yeah, yeah. So um, that was sort of part of the compromise there. I was like, you know, there's going to be robots um, like this on the battlefield, like in the next 10 years so this really isn't even that <laughs> much of science fiction like rarely really pretty, science fiction. exactly like, honestly we should be pushing it a lot further. We have like nano robots and all kinds of wild things yeah. so um but yeah yeah um so yeah i i'm sorry I think vaguely remember your original question I No, I mean, there. just to jump but off yeah. of
0: what Justin is saying One of my absolute favorite issues of the series I think it's number seven The one where Scarlett is just dealing with her PTSD And yeah. that's one that I think IDW rightly pushed out For Mental Health Awareness Month And put mm-hmm. uh, added out as a resource for people It's a really incredible issue um, What was it like tackling that one In the midst of all this Cobra craziness?
1: Yeah, that was a big one. I actually had been basically researching that one from the from the beginning of writing the book. So, um, so I was sort of working on that one in the background while writing the first six issues. Um, and then even with that, like that issue took me a long time to write. Like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't behind the art because that's, you know, <laughs> very verboten as a comic book writer, but, you know, it was definitely like pushing it right up to the edge. Um, but no, it was, it was, it was tough and it, it, I definitely knew that it would be like a, I don't want to say a shift in tones. I think I think the thing I tried to do with these stories is to have everything sort of be of the same tone, even when some of them are a little more realistic, some of them are a little more sci-fi. You know, they, I, my hope is that they feel very, very cohesive. But yeah, that was a very important issue to me and one that we had talked about from the beginning and that um, IDW and Hasbro, their credit, were just so incredibly supportive of. So although, I mean, yeah, it was definitely a lot, of, a lot of research and a lot of scrutiny. Um, uh has michael kelly at hasbro i think told me at one point that like more people at hasbro read that issue than have ever read any other gi joe issue like as they're, <laughs> wow. the approval process so yeah yeah it was definitely um very closely looked at
0: and it's really an amazing issue that, that, right? uh, i did want to ask you issue. about working with the art team as well yeah because chris evan maybe i'm mispronouncing it but chris evenhouse and Brittany Peer to the colors mm-hmm. right yeah uh, just it's it's incredible what you guys have created across the board and for anybody who hasn't read it it has such a different look from what you might expect from a G.I. Joe book. So, again, what went into crafting that world with them from the art perspective? And what's the journey been like with them over the course of these issues?
1: Oh, that was so great. Um, Chris, I've actually worked on a few times, worked with a few times before. Um, we actually, He was actually one of the artists on my very first G.I. Joe project, like, many, many years ago. And then we also did um, a book for Aftershock together called Monstro Mechanica. Um, which you can buy the trade of. Um, So I actually requested that they take a look at Chris for G.I. Joe and they did. And they were like, yeah, let's, let's, let's bring him on board for this. Um, So yeah, Chris and I work really closely together on the style of the book, the design of the book. And then Bri, Bri Pierce, they they are just amazing. Like they just came in and and, like blew the doors off the place. Um, And did such a great job of like making every issue look distinctive. Um, And also this, this book really follows the seasons. Like the first, this first, um, big season one of issues one through ten in Castlefall essentially take place over one year in, in the time of the story. And Bride did such an amazing job of like following the seasons. Like you, you definitely see like summer, spring um <laughs> Did that out of order? Spring, summer, <laughs> fall, and winter. I almost did that out of order again. It's <laughs> just, been a while. And honestly, just, I don't
4: even know what the order is anymore. Yeah, after <laughs>
1: this, after <laughs> this past year, yeah, time has yeah. no meaning whatsoever. Um, but yeah, no, they were just such a pleasure to work with. And we, also the guest artists that we brought in were so were so fantastic as well. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, Chris and I have really Really cr- close relationship for a long time now, and Brian, I've known Brian for a while, but this is my first time. Well, not my first. We've worked on a couple of small things. it was my 1st time like working with them on a longer term thing, and um, yeah, it was just uh, it was just fantastic.
0: Now, one of the. To be perfectly honest, again, one of the stopping points for me with GI Joe was always the names of the characters. That mm-hmm. I'd get in there and I'd be like, wow. "Barbecue, <laughs> Roadblock, <laughs> what's going on here? No right. job." Yeah. Well, again, you took a very, uh, in the best way, very serious look at this. But was there anything when you got to one of the names or one of the characters where you're like, "No, this is
1: too silly. Can't do this." <laughs> <laughs> um. No. No, I think I think that's one thing you just kinda like I, that's that's just a part of it, you know what I mean? Um so and again yeah. I, we never use like I don't know, like maybe maybe as the story goes on, we might get to a point where I get told around I'm like, ah, I don't know about this, but no, I I think so far it's been
4: yeah, I don't know if life ring is ready to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, it's funny So we we've had a long standing debate on this show about the ridiculous names of G.I. Joe characters. So uh, one of our um, a fan of the show ran uh, created an algorithm to develop names of G.I. Joe's. So these are A.I. G.I. Joe names. I just want to read a couple of them. If you want to have any of these, they're fully up for grabs. OK, okay? So you get to name any more Joes. We've got um, Forky Cauliflower, (laughs) Troubled Grouch, which I think is really good. It applies to Pete. Wasp Piss, fun, maybe an (laughs) insect guy. Wound Man, which is sad, but good. Dr. Slobber. And of course, definite G.I. Joe potential shit face. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Computer wrote those.
1: I actually just looked up a tweet. uh, I was actually working on G.I. Joe um, at my New York Comic-Con artist alley table in 2018 before the book was announced. So, and I tweeted like without naming G.I. Joe, um, trying to think of a name for a new character while sitting at my artist alley table. So far I've got banner stand, (laughs) Sharpie, lanyard, yeah. and funky smell. So none of those made it in. But uh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. funky smell is not a. Yeah. funky a Smell's a real... not a terrible name. Yeah,
0: yeah. I want to see uh, funky smell and Doctor Slobber team up. Man. Oh, man. That's my dream know. pairing, perfect. personally.
1: Perfect, perfect. Doctor
4: yeah. Jekyll and Mister Hyde style, I think.
0: Uh Now, since you can't necessarily talk about the future of G.I. Joe, what else do you have in the works, if anything, that you can talk about, Paul?
1: Sure. My book Hollow Heart is coming out from Vault Comics right now. Uh, issue one came out last month, and the second issue comes out next month, or next week. Um So you should definitely check that out. It's a queer monster love story. Um Cool. And, yeah, I'm working with uh, Paul Tucker on that, who I did the book Tet with um, a few years back, mm. which is another book that I think people who enjoy my G.I. Joe run might um, – might like, but yeah, uh, hollow hearts, the big one. And then I have a, a Godzilla book coming out in mm-hmm. June, July with artist EJ Sue. Um, and that's a Godzilla. I think the official name of the book is Godzilla rivals. Number one mm. and it's it's Godzilla versus Hedorah. It's the first of a wow. series of um, Godzilla Rivals books they are gonna do where you know they they put the big lizard up against some of his more famous enemies. So and uh, cool. they asked me to start with Hedorah because Hedorah debuted in nineteen seventy one, so we're at his fifty year anniversary wow. right now, so I yeah, I leaned into that by setting the story in nineteen seventy one Manhattan and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, now, cool. Given that you oh, that's have awesome. had
0: such deeply emotional storylines for G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. Can you do the same sort of thing for a Godzilla book? Can you yeah, quit? of course you can. Hold on, Pete. I'm asking <laughs> our guest. All right, he did an amazing job. Why would he? Why would he stop? No, I'm just saying Godzilla's a big lizard who breathes fire. I don't know.
1: No, I took a powder on the on the on the character stuff for Godzilla. It's just it's just forty pages of um. No, no, I, 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 yeah, I, it is actually a very character focused story. Um, it's about these two people that I don't want to say too much about because. That gets into, you know I'll get into spoiler territory very quickly, uh if I do that. But I, I can say it's um it's a it's a, a guy who's trying to get a um a scientist who has the key to repelling these kaiju to a hospital, um and but he has to like yeah. travel through like kaiju's torn Manhattan to get her there. Oh um, that's and, awesome. And you know, as the solicitation says, terrible choices will be made along the way. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. We do
0: have a question yeah, here for the comments sure. for you. Uh Joe wants to know what's a G.I. Joe crossover you wish you could do, but know you could never do, whether cause of rights or whatever.
1: Hmm. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> Boy. I don't necessarily know because Hasbro, I think, has been pretty open about um about crossovers. So I'm trying to I'm like i can, I can think of plenty I'd like to do. I'm trying to think of one that would be like impossible. So, I don't know. Maybe um, my favorite movie is Jaws. I think G.I. Joe and Jaws would be a, a tough sell. This, yeah. <laughs> um. be, they, would have, they might not
4: ever really... Shipwreck, uh, shipwreck would be fun.
1: Shipwreck, yeah, Shipwreck up there against the Great White. So yeah, another one of my favorite movies uh, is The Conversation, and I would love to drop Harry Call into the GI Joe world. (laughs) Like they like like, intersect on some surveillance mission that he's doing. That would be he'll like try to do it like like like. Archie and the Punisher style where you're like true to the tones of both properties while yeah. also, you know, telling a compelling story. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, mean, I like, I like so, that one the Jaws one. So I'm going to say G.A. Joe and the Conversation is the crossover I would love to yes. do, but Excellent. never that's, will be able to. That's,
4: that's great. Amazing. That's really, that's a deep cut. I would yeah. definitely read it. Paul, thank yeah.
0: you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the book. It is oh, yeah, so We much. love it. That's thank a great book. We truly yeah. love it. Thanks All so right. much. Have, Have a good, good night. night. Yep. Take care. Later, Paul. All right. Once again, Paul Allure, G.I. Joe, the entire series, asterisk, maybe for now, is uh, available from IDW. Definitely check it out. Whether yeah. you're a G.I. Joe fan or not, you're still going to exactly. like
4: Exactly. You got two out of three guys here on this podcast who didn't even know the Joes. Yeah. You got to know your Joes. And you got to know you your Joes. We know well, real quick. Shout out, shout out to Nat Towson, first yeah, stand up oh, guy right. for the um AI Joe's um, horrible
0: name. names, horrible names. <laughs> Great. Dr. Slobber. there's man. so many more. Dr. Dr. Slobber. Slobber. oh, did you stop yourself?
4: There, oh, there are like 50 of them. <laughs> oh, they said
0: six. Oh, that's man.
4: restraint, that's grown up
0: restraint right there. Yeah, there you wow. go. Well, I'm not going to restrain myself from moving on to our next section, which is uh, your questions. Here we go. Hello, and in audience questions, you can ask questions two ways. First of all, if you're over on YouTube, drop them in the comments over there, I'll keep an eye on it. Over on CrownCast, drop them and ask a question. As I see, a couple of you have already done. But first mm. of all, what you drinking, Pete? What's ah, poison yes. tonight? Well, uh, you know I'm. I
2: love me some champagne of beer, so uh, mm-hmm. that's what I'm You'd doing. really a little grinding little into those.
4: I, I will say, Pete, I really appreciate it that you've gone off drinking um, radiator fluid or whatever you were doing before into something. <laughs> I'll
2: bring it back. Don't do don't don't, not, not, not
4: Don't do a Don't do it. I'm going with the two-hearted ale.
0: Oh, like a classic. real
4: Psychopath. <laughs>
0: Nice. No, I love it. Always reliable. Uh, I went with a Five Burrows Brewing Company Gridlock Hazy IPA. Whoa. Ooh, Tribute. stressful,
4: Alex. Yeah, it's sounds <sighs>
0: stressful, man. No, it's actually I don't like very that beer. good. Gridlock.
4: I don't like Even the label's just uh, like, stress me yeah, out. Nice, no way, smooth
0: IPA. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Well, there's nothing smooth about that label. Let's go over <laughs> to... <laughs> The comments here on YouTube. The Big says, are the current financial problems in the town of Riverdale after the time jump directly linked to its dependence on a child business-based economy that ended (laughs) with the gang graduating high school? That's a great question.
4: Yeah. That's a great question.
0: Uh, And I don't know those of you who aren't watching Riverdale and aren't tuning into Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast. uh, We've definitely been breaking this down. There was a seven-year time jump. Everybody is back. The town of Riverdale is ruined. They're trying to bring it back by teaching. Trying to save. They're trying to save the town yeah. by working at the high school, as you do. Starting Start a fire apartment, as you as do. As you do. Yeah, fucking around a little bit, as you do. Wow. Okay. Spoilers. I mean, you know, that's how you make the money.
4: I think the major problem with the Riverdale economy is all of the new businesses have to be below ground underneath current businesses, which is just from a business standpoint, it's difficult. The backhoe rental is expensive.
0: Well, Uh, there are other options like Veronica is starting that jewelry business in the bad part of town, which seems like the logical thing to do.
4: Another thing that is yeah, a limiting factor is all of your businesses have to be based on popular movies from the last two years. So <laughs> it sort of limits your
0: no, I mean, Uncut no,
4: Gems didn't end very well um, for ooh, a lot the of the spoilers, people. In, I haven't seen it yet. That's not to say that there are problems in that movie is not that much of a spoiler. It doesn't that's end movie happily? <laughs> that movie's <laughs> been called one of the most stressful movies of the decade. I've seen
0: the GIFs and they're very stressful. Go watch it. You should watch that movie. I should watch it. But when when over the past year, I've been like, I'd like to sit down and watch a very stressful movie.
4: And let me be honest, Alex, this movie will stress you out. The music is not for you. Oh, man. What is it? Um, it's just pop hits from the mid two thousands. Just kidding. That, that would be for you because like that's all you yeah, like to listen, exactly. listen to. Yeah, that's the, the music for uncut gems is um, a live uh, recording of Sting uh, talking about getting a drink with the fans uh, during a performance of "All for One" and "All for Love." <laughs>
0: Amazing. Ben the Border Collie says, I'm enjoying Invincible and think it likely benefits from being an animated adaptation. Are there other comics you think would work better as animated rather than as a live action adaptation? Now, great chance to plug that we have a new podcast, Podvincible, uh, yeah. our Invincible podcast. We're only two episodes in, but... That third episode is coming any day now. I can feel it. We're letting um, it marinate. But uh, I think this is an interesting question. I mean, let's look at uh, shows that have already been adapted live that maybe would have been better animated.
4: Ooh, interesting. Um, let's see. All of I them? I mean... <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I would throw, I mean, many of them. Yes. I would throw a lot of the Arrowverse shows into that and that's not even knocking them at all. It just feels like they are a lot like the animated shows from like the Batman the animated series days in a lot of ways. Like you could just sort of do that again in a way that tells longer, more interesting, more in-depth
0: stories. Yeah. Uh, the Arrowverse stuff in particular, I was, thinking about this as I was getting caught up at a couple of the shows the other night, is very much their soap operas. Like there's which granted, comic books are kind of like that anyway. Yep. But they definitely lean into the soap opera nature and part of that is the budget. Then you watch the animated stuff. They did a Ray animated series. They did a Constantine animated series. And those yes. are much more hardcore and much more comic booky than their live-action versions, So I could see that. One that I don't know that it would be better, but I think it would be interesting, I, I would love to see an anime version of The Boys. I think that would work well, really well.
4: Well, I, I, that answer crossed my mind, but I just think that show is so well shot and well made. Sure. That,
2: and well acted. I mean, the people are just destroying in that
4: show. But I would say... Tonally, it would be like Invincible. Invincible Mm -hmm. has some sort of shares a little bit of DNA. It's Invincible is much more earnest and less satire based, but it does feel a little bit like oh, they're violent on purpose.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: And I'll throw out my perennial answer: the animated show that I want to see is Bone. I want to see Jeff Smith's Bone. Yeah.
0: There we go. Uh, we got one from Kevin. What's a classic tale you'd love to see adapted, updated, and how would you love to see it done?
4: A classic. Oh, this is like okay, so here we go. count. Here we go. Yeah.
0: Hot take. It's Robin
4: Hood, but they're foxes.
0: What? You are so close to your camera right now. It's uncomfortable,
4: Pete. And microphone. Yeah. Um, Robin Hood, that's one of my Disney's Robin Hood, too close. Also, Alex, um, is one of my favorite movies of all
0: time. Ooh. Classic animated tale. Has anything not been done? Updated? Uh, at this point? Honestly, I feel like every single IP that is possible to mine in any particular way has been done in every version of its free of rights.
4: Uh, true. Um, I guess um, just sort of some early cave paintings would be nice to
0: see oh, yeah. uh, really brought to life. They adapted that as Train Coming Towards You.
4: Oh, no, of course. Wow. Another great trade coming toward you reference. Two weeks in a row? <laughs> no. Every
0: um, week it's the only reference I know. What about a little book called The Bible? The wow. <laughs> 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 Slow.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, that's such a tough like it's because so much maybe like more on the book front like uh, like an Ethan Frome. Mm. <laughs>
0: Something no one would want to see again. Wow. All right. Um, you know what? This is Treasure Island. What are we talking about? Uh, adaptations of things that you'd like to see in comic book yeah. form? I don't know if it's ever been done as a comic book, and this is only top of mind because I'm reading it to my son as his bedtime story right now, but I'm reading Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, which is so good. Also, way more religious than i realized when i read it <laughs> like
4: me too crazy religious yeah um don't i i don't want to reread that because i love was one of the first books i ever read on my own was that mm-hmm. whole series and the voyage of the dawn treader i still sometimes dream about falling through a painting into oh, um, like a God. seascape and it's just it feels like it was just such a creative revelation to me and then i was rereading line of what you are wardrobe i
0: was like is trying to trick people into being Christians. <laughs> <laughs> I was duped. I was, not, I was trying to be duped. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'm really enjoying it now, though. Like, understanding it at that level, and like, it's so clearly an allegory the entire way through. But I read it to my daughter when she was probably two or three and she was totally bored by it and didn't care. So I was focusing on that aspect a lot more. But my son's super into it, loves the mythology, loves... All the characters and everything, and the writing is really fun and good. So, yeah. I don't know. As long as you are aware of what you're getting into going in, it's really good, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm glad to revisit it because it was it was the first book I read by myself. So I have a, a special you place in me. my heart for it. Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, let me. I the one part that really resonate that really stuck out as not being Christian is where they you play fuck Mary kill with the Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe at the end.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck the wardrobe. Of course, <laughs> marry the lion, kill the witch. Kill She's the witch. Bad. Oh. She's bad. Man. Kill Genius. the witch.
4: come on, no, thanks, Pete. Would you have the same,
0: same no. order?
2: No, no, definitely not the same order. Okay, go fuck ahead. And the wardrobe it because is. it's
0: like got that big hole going out there. You know what I'm talking about?
4: Oh my Alex, god, Alex. No, whenever you're playing that fuck, marry, kill, you don't need to go into details. Just future <laughs> no. representative Don't really lay
0: into the details. That's I don't know. This not is the first do. time I've played this fun game.
4: Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'll send you. I have a uh, Milton Bradley does a great board game version of it.
0: Fun for the whole family. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, uh, uh, great. Uh, I really
4: struggle to think of Milton Bradley. Is that right? Is that, <laughs> <like that's> the <laughs> yeah, part. that is right. board
0: games. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Uh, question here from you on YouTube Enrique Chums says Did you guys enjoy the Suicide Squad trailer? Have you checked it out, guys? Yep. Yeah. I thought it was very good. It reminds me very much of the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. <laughs> you seem resigned to that, Pete. Is that a bad comment? Is that a good well, comment? Well, it seemed
2: off. it seemed like an obvious choice to be like, um, hey, if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, guess what you'll also like? Uh yeah, I'm i sorry, think it's... Pete.
4: That's how everything has ever been.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time. But I think that uh yeah, I'm. I mean, it looks like a ton of fun. It looks really intense and over the top. And why not?
4: <laughs> you're officially just through the looking glass in general, Pete. You're like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like you're you're like lean back. You're like, well, I don't know. Why not? Yeah. Make it just keep keep on trying, guys. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, I really like the use of Harley Quinn in this. Like, mm-hmm. I would, thought it was going to be difficult to go from her own movie. Uh, back to like less that let her ever be a supporting player, and it, the way they used her in this trailer, I thought was really well done.
0: Mm-hmm. Very funny. Uh, I mean, James Gunn's a funny guy. Like, I'm I'm excited to check it out. It looks bigger than I expected based on the first teaser, which is good. And if you haven't seen this, obviously spoilers turn away, but it's in the trailer. So Starro and the way that they're using Starro seems super fun. So cool. as well. Um, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. It seems like it seems like a goofy, fun movie uh, driven home by the way that Viola Davis is playing it. And mm-hmm. if you saw Suicide Squad, she was so serious there and so grim. And it was so like the whole Snyderverse thing. The fact that every time they cut to her and she's like, <sighs> is yeah. very funny. And it's a much better way of using her.
4: And if this movie is fun and funny, it gives just a direction for the DC universe to go in. And it gives like just a doorway or a window or just a little crack that they can look through into something that is more fun than where they are right now.
0: Well, and also another thing that was nice about it, and I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but James Gunn used James Ostrander in the movie. He's in the trailer putting the bomb injection into the back of, oh, my God, what's his name? Michael Rooker's head. Yeah. So it seems like it's channeling those comics, which are very gallows humor. And that's yeah. much more fun than Suicide Squad, the David Ayer version, which is just like a mess. It's all it, over the place. You
4: know what they say is gallows humor is better than just straight up gallows? I'll stand mm-hmm. by that for, for the rest yeah, of my life. That's a good saying. It was C.S. Lewis said that, right?
0: Yep, famously. <laughs> uh, we got another Riverdale question here from YouTube. Nelson Martinez says, Who had the better line delivery on Riverdale Reggie when he calls Archie and each of the rest of Bulldogs a loser? Or Hiram saying, The only thing he knows about the Bulldogs is that they're garbage. <laughs> oh, man. I
2: mean, they're both really great uh, line readings and fun moments. Uh, I don't know. I got to go with Hiram on that one, though.
4: Yeah, I'm going to go with Hiram, too. He really used every letter in the word garbage. Yeah, he sure did. (laughs)
0: Uh, This is from Nick Grayson. Having just learned about Justice League Mortal, I was wondering what canceled comic book series, films, TV shows you would have really wanted to see. Justice League Mortal, that was the George Miller one, right? Where he was going to be doing a Justice League movie and... Sounded super weird and super interesting and was in development for a really long time. So what scuttled project would you be most interested in?
4: Um I mean, uh there are so many, especially the weirder ones are what was the uh um what's the oh I can't remember either part of this. Um I need a second to uh
0: so the ones that came to mind while you're thinking of it, I mean, the two Supermans that got done, I don't remember whether they're the same one, but the Nicolas Cage one, which they actually got right. as far as doing a test of the suit, absolutely bizarre. And then there was the J.J. J. Abrams one, which sounded wild and insane and not really a super bad movie at all and over the top, but there were just these crazy brainiac ideas that came out. Um, both of those... You know, I I don't know. I'm always interested in hearing about that stuff because it's just usually the wildest ideas, and then whatever they end up on screen is like, yeah, that's a super bad movie. That's fine.
4: The one that came to mind for me um, is the Noah Hawley Doctor Doom mm. um, would have oh, been yeah. dope. And the reason I couldn't remember is because I couldn't think of. I kept thinking of Noah Wiley, the actor from ER, and his <laughs> Doctor Doom script is awful. So that's just I didn't want to say that. Bad, <laughs> Yeah. Snow Holly's Dr. Doom. Like uh, Joe, he turned the script in, in like 2019, so it could still happen.
0: Uh Joe mentions the old Fox Lock and Key Pilot, which is really good. If you mm-hmm. never chased it down, it's kind of bumping around on like Vimeo and other places and is great. I think they showed it off a couple of times at San Diego Comic Con. I've never seen the Hulu one, which I'd be really fascinated to see as well. If anybody is listening to this and wants to sneak it our way, that would be awesome. Ooh. But that would be very cool. Um, cool. Good question. All right, let's go on here. Uh, Joe <laughs> says, considering the Jew I Joe discussion, what is your favorite Marvel licensed comic book?
4: Oh, comic book series licensed Marvel. Um, obviously NFL super pro. We all ride for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. just speak for all of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely that um the mantis obviously whatever mantis comic book they did back in the day definitely right right
0: right 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 right. Mm -hmm, mm
4: -hmm, mm -hmm. um i mean this way they've handled star wars i think has been yeah i mean actually if you want to
0: give an honest answer (laughs) yeah uh also very early going but philip kennedy johnson's alien was excellent Yes, just a great first issue. Too early to make
2: that kind of call. That's that's.
0: It's the best one of all time.
2: It's it's the
0: only issue one. Let's slow the roll. Sorry, nothing. Live in the moment. I'll tell you what. If the second issue isn't as good, uh, I'm never doing the show again. Wow,
4: (laughs) wow that that's a that's a very uh, subjective way for you to bail on this show. (laughs) Hey, I disappointed me. (laughs) I'm out.
0: Uh, good stuff. Hey, it was anyway, a good run yeah. It's not um, over yet And we got uh, one last question here Oh, Suicide Squad wise How many villains actually die in the comics? It feels like far less than one might think um, Yeah, I mean Nobody really dies in the comics, right?
4: Yes, but the most recent Couple issues we've read, people are dying Yeah, there's a bunch true. of randos Dying all the
0: time That's true, yeah, you can really always true. kill off randos I'd also recommend, oh my god, what was it? It was the Thunderbolts that Matthew mm-hmm. Rosenberg wrote over oh, at Marvel Titans and King in Black, which is basically his version of Suicide Squad, but in the Marvel Universe. Super fun. Kills off a lot of people. Definitely. Yeah. What? Bergie. Oh, Bergie, Bergie like Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah. I thought you were like, Fergie. My favorite I thought you member said, of the Black Eyed Peas. I thought you were shouting out Bernie Sanders for a minute. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, oh, we're going to turn over to Pete LePage.
4: Pete LaPage, the right. star of trivia coming through.
2: All right, this is part we give back to you the lovely audience, an opportunity to win 25 free dollars. In the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics, you get 25 free dollars for online comics. Sounds like a fun
0: deal. All you have to do is raise your hand, be first hand up person. Yeah, whether you're on YouTube or Crowdcast, just say me or hand up or hello or whatever you want to do and we will pick on you. And you're going to walk away We're with $25. we are not going to pick on you. We're no. going to pick you for the trip. We're going to make fun of you. Oh, no. Uh, Come on. Oh, here we go. John. John, John George. Yeah. Let's okay. Bring him in All right. Nice. Bringing John into the stream here so we can ask him some trivia. We'll see what happens. Uh, but it should be very exciting. He should win $25. Yes, this might. is from your own bank account, right? No, this is uh, from Midtown Comics. Mm.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to just mail you
4: $25. But you're sort of the Willy Wonka of Midtown Comics, right?
2: uh i think that's a nice thing to say about somebody but uh i, I don't know is if it, i would
0: is it nice to call somebody the willy wonka
2: yeah i mean the fact that you feel like i own midtown comics can
0: walk around and use their elevator oh man you I'll do tell do you what. that you do john do that. can't connect right now so i'll tell you what why don't you just do it in the comments you read it and he'll comment in the comments
4: all right, great. He's going to comment in the comments. Great. This is more time for us to really be the stars of trivia. <laughs> oh, boy.
2: This is about John, guys.
4: Okay. So, here, here we go. why don't you, Pete, why don't you ask the questions to oh. me? Hey. Hey.
3: Hey. Oh, no. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> oh, he's done a, a loop of some kind. That's fine. Quick, ask some questions. Pete, go, go, go.
2: All right. Today's trivia is on topical comic news. And a small nod to the legend, Jessica Walter. All right, here we go. Right. Question number one. There's going to be a new upcoming X-Men story from which amazing writer? Is it A, Victor Laval, B, Brian K. Vaughn, or is it C, Vivka Davis? So it's A, and $25 will be closer to being yours. Or you can pick B and C. It's a, a is uh, correct.
4: Great stuff.
2: That uh, really uh, going in that Mickey Mouse room really uh, changed things up. We can see you great. All right, here we go. Question Not number, number two Wednesday, March 31st, Daniel Warren Johnson drops what number one comic? Is it a Beta Ray Bill number one, B Fing Fang Foom number one, or is it C John Favreau is number one? So it's either A or you could pick B or C. It's A. A is correct. Here we Great. go. Last one. Right. New couple alert, maybe. In Captain-, <laughs> In Captain Marvel number 27. Who does Carol Danvers hook up with? Is it A, Alien Steve? B, Doctor Strange? Or is it C George Clinton? Hmm. So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B Doctor Strange.
1: I think it's B Doctor Strange. You are correct. Nice. Twenty five dollars wow. is yours.
0: Congrats congratulations, like congratulations, John. Uh, that's awesome. You're gonna get twenty five dollars to Midtown Comics. We'll send it on your way. Thanks for coming on. Great Cheers, guys. All right. Great to see you. Good Aww. to see John. Very exciting. Pete, can I
4: make a pitch that every week you have a new couple alert uh, for us? Oh, okay. All right. Sure, sure, sure. I'll, uh, uh, I'll work on that. I think that's a great new segment for us. <laughs> great. And
2: uh, just to so point: Kevin is correct. It is PCU. Uh, PC. The secret
0: movie that you're teeing up. He also mentions, of course, that Jessica Walter was the star of the Doctor Strange movie. Not the one with Benedict Cumberbatch, but the one before that. Cool. Oh, yeah, 1978. great uh, i love that you're like no nah, i'm not interested in trivia anymore yeah no. i hate trivia no. he <laughs> hates you hate trivia all right as we all know tomorrow is new comic book day we recommend you go wherever is safe what are you guys looking yeah. forward to pete i'm looking forward to beta ray bill number one Woo-hoo-hoo. any particular reason anything you want to say about it
2: um, I think uh, the artist and writer is pretty amazing. Their uh, their work, it speaks for itself. It's pretty magical.
0: It's Daniel Warren Johnson, who you love from Murder Falcon. He is doing the art. Murder Falcon! Right it's a falcon there. that murders! Not the official song. Justin, what are you looking forward to?
4: Uh, I agree about Beta Ray Bill, uh, for sure. But I'm going to throw it out additionally to um, Decorum Number 7 by Jonathan Ooh. Hickman a book that is really continuing to be um, uh, the strange bird that it started out, um, but getting a little bit more, it's making a little more sense every issue.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to another Jonathan Hickman book, X-Men 19, a book that we're not going to be talking about in our well, stack. Well, then podcast. why bring it up? Not talk about in our stack podcast because I didn't want to be yelled at by somebody, <laughs> but it's fucking awesome. So Woo! there you go.
2: Oh, that's a cheat. Yeah, how, dare how dare you
0: how dare you deviate
2: it's awesome. i'll do whatever because i want to put it on the stack i'll do whatever
0: i want you know so we I, started not awesome. I we started the, the show with pete awesome.
4: and i going rogue but you're the true rogue oh, you're God. the true porthos of this podcast
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you well anyway you can check out some of those reviews in our stack podcast wednesday 9 a.m on the Comic Book Club feed and it's only a Stack feed. And folks, that is it for our show. Woo-hoo-hoo! Really big shoe. A couple of people we want to thank before we go. We want to thank Ibrahim Mustafa. You should check out Count. It's available yeah. from Humanites everywhere. Also, G.I. Joe from IDW by Paul Allure. Check that out as well. Uh, and I want to mention we have two big shows coming up at oh. you over the next two weeks. Next week, Scott Snyder is going to be back here with editor Will Dennis talking about Noctera, the huge, very big new comic from Image Comics. We'll be talking about issue number two and everything else. Also, two weeks from now, I don't know if you guys know this, on the eve of the release of a very special comic book, we're going to have a packed show for you in two weeks with Joe Hill. Gabriel Rodriguez and Chris Ryall talking about oh, Lock and Key yeah, hell and God, yeah. uh, right before it comes out so that's going to be very awesome as well so look forward to the next two weeks and all weeks they're all awesome and all weeks A couple of other things to plug Riverdale After Dark our Riverdale podcast is doing one more Wednesday before the big break so check that out Marvel Vision our Marvel podcast currently talking about Falcon and the Winter Shoulder Podvincible our Invincible podcast is running right now patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and other shows we do itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe and elicit and follow also on itunes leave us a comment and a rating we would appreciate that at comic book live on twitter comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more until next time bye-bye uh, good night
4: guys um, the winter shoulder is the count de monte crisco's as we